Hi, I'm Mandy Learn. And I'm Stephanie Keeley. Thank you for joining us for Women Who Work. Look for a truth teller because you can get a mentor that can educate you on finance, that can educate you on marketing. But when you're talking about career change, when you're talking about what it takes to be successful as a woman in corporate America and where you want to go with your career, we need to talk truthfully about that. We need someone to tell us that not just that we can do it, but that it will be difficult. So truth tellers are incredibly important in our careers. Welcome to the Women Who Work podcast, where we discuss the essentials for leading in your life and career, because as women who work, we just can't separate the two. Thanks for being here with us. Whether you might own your own business or making a big career move or figuring out that work-life balance, you've got a place in this conversation. In this episode, we're talking about mentors, why they're so valuable, what might be stopping you from having one, and how to create this impactful relationship. We've also got a terrific interview with Tracy Jackson Edmonds, owner of TJE Coaching and Consulting. So let's dive in. Happy New Year. Oh, same to you, Stephanie. Woohoo! I'm ready for 2023. How about you? I am. I'm bringing that big, big new year energy, fresh start. <laughs> yes. Kids back in school. Amen to that. Really long break. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I'm ready to like make it a fresh start to like set intentions to, to focus in on what I want to accomplish and what worked last year, what didn't work last year and all of that. Like I want to do that work. Yep. So do you, I, I know there are a lot of people that like to set a year or like a word for the year. Do you have a word for the year to kind of set the the tone and, I, and anchor you and what you want to achieve? I do. You know, I think the word resolution has become a bit like passe, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I don't do a resolution, but I do a, an intention. And as recently mm-hmm. I asked someone, well, what's what in your head, what do you consider the difference? And, um, I don't think they're they really had a good difference for it, but I do like the idea of an intention um, because I see it as kind of a guide for how you um, make decisions through the year, um, Mm -hmm. how you want to show up kind of, I think of it as what's your posture, Mm. the energy you'd like to bring. um, And it would be something that might elevate you from how you showed up last year in a way that you want to see improvement in yourself. Um, So I've been playing with it a bit. I, you know, I really got into the idea of essentialism and have been consuming that book. And it's one of those, I have a highlighter next to me when I read it. And those are the best kind of books. They are, they are. (laughs) I'm just like trying to soak it all in. Um, but I like the idea of really focusing in on what is important to me and to where I want to be and what is the trade-off? Like, what can I get rid of? And when I think about living in that way, letting go of the unimportant and um, focusing in on values, doing more with less, when I think about that, I think where I get to is this state of flow. And so my word this year is flow. I'd like to get to a place where there's more ease than effort um, in my work and my health, uh, my body, my life, my family, the day to day. I'd like to be in a place in a state of flow. So that's what I want my reminder to be this year. That's a good one. I love that because it's a verb. It's a it's an action word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Do you what do you do? Goals? Do you do the word? A phrase? Intention? Yeah. I, I I do traditional goal setting. I also do a word or phrase just to anchor me and help me kind of have a touch point throughout the year, because you really have to connect with your goals throughout the year. You can't just 
you know, write them down, set it and forget it. And it helps me when I uh, pair it with an emotion of what I want to feel. And so this year, my, my word that I'm going to hope that will guide me is completion. Um, I really want to have at the end of the year, a tremendous sense of accomplishment of things that I have, I have done, whether or not they're important work projects or um, projects around the house. Those are really my two big focuses uh, for this next year. So I'm, I'm, I'm banking on this word to put me over the line. <laughs> we are a really productive person. Mm-hmm. We do a lot. So this mm-hmm. is different because you want things completed. Done. Yes. Yes. Like check it off, move it aside. Yep. And 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 have that sense of accomplishment. Like yeah. I did a lot. I did a lot this year. Yeah. You know, it always feels like for me, I get to the end of the year and I do some uh, reflection journaling and I'm like, it's asking, you know, what did you accomplish this year? And I think "Ah, like two things, but then when you start journaling and just really let yourself go through it and think back on the months and the projects and the things you've experienced, you realize if you write, start writing it out, you realize I really did do a lot in a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, a year's a lot of time. I hope yep. I did, but you know, <laughs> yep. and I love that idea of, of the, of journaling. So you can go back and reflect on maybe, maybe it wasn't like huge in the moment, or it might've been a small thing, but it still had an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, speaking of impact, you shared with me something about goals, mm-hmm. um, like an important goal, setting an important goal. Yeah. So actually my husband was the one that told me about this. Um, it's called a wig and I don't know if maybe there's some out there. This is completely new to me. Um, it's called a wildly important goal. So what is that one thing that if you accomplished would have the biggest impact um, for you over the course of the year. Now you can do that from a personal perspective or a, um, a professional perspective. Um, and I th- when you and I were chatting about this earlier, the personal, I think is always going to lean towards your health because we all think that if you don't have, if your health is not balanced, if you don't live in a place of wellness, then you're not going to have, you can't show up hundred percent in your, in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that that was just that being able to focus it all just on one, because I think that we all just get so excited. At least I do. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And then you're, you're not connecting with all of them. You're going to lose steam and lose your motivation. And so if you can just have one goal, figure out what that one is that will have the most impact across what you want to accomplish the year. And I thought that the the wig, the acronym was, was really easy to, to distill and understand. And okay. I yeah. Can, I can, yeah. I can, I can do this. It sounds doable. Yeah, it's definitely approachable because I think it requires you to do the work of okay, maybe again, write it down. What are the what are the goals? You know, just like you said, we want to do so many things. So what mm-hmm. are all those goals? But then if I look at those goals with the filter of what has the greatest impact, right? Um, are any of these the ones I would want to pick? Or is there something that's maybe higher level or but still achievable? Um that would be the most impactful, might even knock out a couple of those other ones or get me to a place where I'm happy enough with those other areas. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you said that about personal life being health and I totally agree. Like if we think about the impact health and wellness has on everything, but even from a leadership perspective, there's that concept of protecting the asset. So to Mm -hmm. be your greatest leader, you still need a full night's sleep. Yeah. (laughs) You have to do some exercise to move your body, to protect your health and wellness so that you can show up and make a business impact. Um, So I guess I would lean towards some kind of health and wellness kind of goal. If I was thinking about one, if I pick one that makes the most impact, it probably would be there. Yeah. Yep. I agree too. And I'm sure that many others feel that way. And, and and that may show up differently for different people. Sure, exactly. I mean, it could be 
uh, mental health, physical health, sleep, nutrition, all those kinds of things. Um, And to give an idea, I was going back through some notebooks I had from prior years. And I always like to ask people about what their intention is for the year. And I wrote down some of the ones that everyone had said. And I Sometimes for me, when I hear a concept, you know, maybe the intention's not new for you, but if it is, sometimes helps to hear um, examples. And this year, it was interesting. A couple of people I talked to, their um, their intention was like softer. It was like Hmm. grace, giving myself grace, um, giving others grace, Um, patience. Like kind of these softer ideas. One that a couple people said was good enough. Living in the oh, state. Oh, that's of great. Good enough. Oh, I have a pennant good. that says that on my, yes. my on my desk. Like, you know, we we've gone hard in the paint a lot yeah. of years. And so yes. sometimes the, yes. the year calls for, you know, softening up on yourself and um being less about what I want to get done and more about the way I want to live. Hmm. That's a great distinction. That's a really good distinction. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. So expansion, learning, um, focus, mm-hmm. it's much like your, um, completion. I have a friend who one year it was, uh, GSD and that stands for get stuff done or mm-hmm. whatever you'd like to say in that way, right. but, um, you know, <laughs> yep. just get it done. Yep. <laughs> so, Lots of good things. I hope everyone spends a little time. You know, we come back into January and are immediately into meetings and deadlines and communication that has to go out and all of the things. So I hope in the midst of all that, you've taken a little time to um, do some reflection and set some intentions. Yeah. And, you know, as I am thinking about this myself, one of um, the things that I want to work on is continue to build my network. I have worked from home and uh, for 10 years. So even pre-pandemic, I worked from home. And so I have to be really um, conscious of making that effort of stepping out, literally stepping outside my house (laughs) and building some networks. I work on a small work team, so I don't have a big corporation that I can lean on and a big team um, to go find um, new networks. And um, so that's one thing that as we're talking about resolutions and and reflecting and thinking what we want to accomplish this next year, that's definitely one of mine. And of course, in your network, you know, who are, what types of relationships do you have in your network? And certainly one of them is, and should be, especially for women, are mentors. Um, And believe it or not, January is National Mentoring Month. So this just is a really good timing here in terms of looking forward to the new year and then building awareness for mentor mentoring relationships. Yeah. So you mentioned that women definitely should have this. So kind of what's the value in having a mentor? Um, I guess start with, you know, what does it mean to have a mentor? But what's why should I? Yeah, well, I think that for um, especially, and I'm going to talk about it in the vein of of women because it's really important to have somebody that can help you in your growth and learning in your career. Now, they play a different, much different role than um, a sponsor might, and um, so a mentor is there to help guide you and help you with those next steps that you want to accomplish in your career. And research actually shows that um, people that have mentors are promoted five times more often than those that don't have a mentor. And also specifically for women, retention and promotion rates um, of those that have a mentoring relationship increased from 15 to 38%. So there's obviously you're growing and you're learning, but there's also implications for moving your career forward too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can feel supported in the work you do supported in your growth, but also there's that real tangible um, potential for growth in your career, growth in your company, or even outside of your company. 
Yeah. And it's, and I know, I feel like this is harped on a lot in terms of, oh, of the shoulds that Mm -hmm. you should Mm -hmm. be doing in your career. And I feel like you should have a mentor. And, um, and, you know, when we think about it, just like, yes, I know, I know, I know. And it just becomes a thing because you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know anybody that I want to ask as a mentor. So I have to go find that person. I have to prepare myself to even make the ask, think about what I want to accomplish in this relationship, what my goals are. So there's prep work and already it's just building, building, building to this thing that, I have to do, or I should do. And, um, and so when we talk about, you know, what's holding your back, why you might be hesitant to get one, I think that's a big, it's a big barrier at the beginning. And I want to talk about how to overcome that because I don't want this to be, I don't want this to be a should. It's not a should, um, it's just really well. It important. is. It's it a is. Should. <laughs> it is a should, but but it, it should has... be a negative one. It shouldn't be one right. you dread. I right. Guess. Right. Yeah. Or or think like I I don't know what I'm doing. I've never had one, so I have no clue how to approach this. Right. And right. And it because it could be awkward, even if you're approaching somebody that you don't know or don't know very well. And all of a sudden you're going to ask them to be a mentor and spend time on you. Mm-hmm. That That's a barrier. It feels like a lot of formality. A lot of people will say that maybe they have less formal relationships that they could call or refer to as a mentor, but maybe no one knew that they were in a mentor-mentee relationship actually. And I think what this topic kind of defines for us is that um, those casual relationships of having a mentor, those are good, but take it a step further and put some intention around it. Put, Mm -hmm. you know, put in that conversation around mentoring or asking, will you be a mentor? Hey, you have this skill set um, right. How will you work with me over the next couple months on developing some of those skills, um, putting a little more structure around what you find to be a valuable and good connected relationship so that you can grow professionally? Yes. Yes. And you can even look back and tie that in that same vein. You can look back at your goals and see, okay, I need I want to accomplish this. What are some of the skill sets or leadership traits that I need in order to accomplish that, that I may not have. So some of it does maybe take some reflection into kind of your own gaps. Um, and then you can, that can help you guide. Okay. These, this is the type of person that I need to seek out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think there can sometimes be, you mentioned that it feels a little awkward um, <laughs> to be that, um, prescriptive, like, oh, will you be a mentor? Um, But let's say you get past that because you can find those natural relationships. You can make it a a slow and steady process that feels more natural, but then you may worry that you're imposing that, Mm -hmm. that senior leaders, you know, don't want to give you that time. And I think we should just debunk that right now, because the reality is who doesn't want to be asked for a little bit of help based on their expertise. And, you know, it's a compliment that someone comes to you and says, Hey, you're skilled in this. Would you mentor me in this area? Um, think yourself, you would like for someone to say that you would be happy to give someone your time in that way to help grow them. I mean, that's, that's just human nature. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I would take it as a, an incredible compliment. Absolutely. Um, And then I think that you also have to take into consideration that the responsibility um, is on you. Like you have to take initiative and you have to um, make sure that you're preparing, you have goals, you have structure, you're driving the relationship. Um, And, and I think too, that you're going to have to be okay with possibly learning some stuff or some truths about yourself that you're, that may be a a little difficult to hear. Um, but that's the whole purpose of having these types of relationships and having trust with somebody that can tell you these things in the spirit of them wanting to help you get 
better. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to have to be willing to do the work too. It's not just, oh, I'm going to have coffee with this person. It's going to be this great conversation that we have periodically. No, there's some work involved because the whole idea is that you get better mm-hmm. through a relationship with somebody that has something to offer you. Yeah. Growth requires a little bit of hard work, a little bit of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Growth so. begins at the end of your comfort zone. Right. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Mm-hmm. I love a good quote. Yeah. <laughs> so those are some tips and some reasons why you should um, you know, find a mentor, but also, like we said, be a mentor um, to someone else. So how can you lift as you lead? How can you pay it forward to someone else? Um, make sure you're open to communicating that you're open to a mentoring relationship. Um, if there are people in your network who you're close to and and you feel like you could um, help them along. Um, and if someone comes to you, just be open. I guess, like we said, it would be a great, a great compliment and, and worth your time, worth your investment to work with someone in that kind of mentoring men- mentee relationship. Yeah. And there was something I'd want to tag in there because I read this, uh, this has been a while ago. Um, and I believe it was the, the founder of soul cycle. Um, her name escapes me at the moment, but she liked to have what she called a reverse mentorship. So she would always seek out somebody younger to mentor her and specifically in um, the realm of like social media or emerging technology. So, you know, helping her with those things that she might have a gap in and helping her understand and learn and grow. And I, I just love that idea of it doesn't necessarily always have your, your um, relationship doesn't necessarily have to be senior like you don't mm-hmm. have to look up, you can also look down, um, down the line. Yeah. For, over uh, and around. Yeah. Over and down, over and around. That's right. That's right. So think of that too, when you're looking around your network and, um, don't necessarily look upwards. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but there's so much opportunity for mentoring all around you in your network. Well, at this point, I think we should hand it over to Tracy, who is our guest for today's um, podcast. And let me tell you, Tracy Jackson Edmonds has so much wisdom, so many gems, so many nuggets to share with you, not just about mentoring, which she will bring a lot more detail and color around this topic that we've introduced here, but also around leadership um, at its finest and being authentic as a leader. Um, So at this point, let's hand it over to Tracy. Tracy J. Edmonds is the owner and CEO of TJE Coaching and Consulting, where she serves as an executive coach and DEI strategist. A former corporate executive who served as chief diversity officer at Anthem, Tracy brings a unique blend of thought leadership, strategic planning, and execution mindset to her work. She specializes in coaching women, particularly minority women, to bring out their best in a corporate environment. As a strategist and partner to her clients, Tracy simplifies the DEI journey with a focus on building capacity to drive sustainable change. Tracy is also an author and speaker on the topics of diversity, inclusion, authenticity, and leadership. Her book, Wild Hair, A Courageous Woman's Guide to a Bold and Authentic Career, released March 2021 and has achieved Amazon International Bestseller status. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. We're so excited to have this conversation with you today and to have you share your wisdom with us here on the Women Who Work podcast. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to be talking about something that really interests me um, when it comes to to mentoring and coaching and the distinction. So I'm excited. Yes. Well, first, wow, that is quite a bio. You've got quite a career path and um, focus for your work. Yeah, you know, um, when I listened to you kind of go over that, it was interesting for me to kind of hear it myself, hear someone else say that, because I spent 31 years in corporate America and 
I guess I never thought I'd be right here where I am in terms of having written a book and um, getting the opportunity to coach other women, as well as to support organizations in their diversity work. It just, it just wasn't on the radar screen as I was uh, climbing the ranks, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I shared that overview and as you've reflected on it, I'm curious from your perspective, what were the key career moments for you? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I when I started my career, I'm probably a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a unicorn these days because I spent my entire 31 years with one organization. Mm. And now that organization changed substantially, went from, you know, a mutual insurance company to a public um, insurance company. In fact, they've changed their name from Anthem to Elevance Health. And um, when I think about the things that really, really stood out for me, I joined that company early in my career, I mean, very early in my 20s for tuition reimbursement. So when I think about the milestones, some of the most important milestones were when I did finish my degree and had an opportunity to really reflect on what do I actually want to be doing, right? Because I started there at a place of this is a great opportunity to grow, a great opportunity to get assistance with my education, but I wasn't really clear on the path forward. So the, the one of the greatest milestones was getting that degree, pausing and seeing how that would impact my trajectory. And then I would say another just really major milestone was when I hit 40 and I had baby number three and I did set up and realize that I wasn't happy in my career. You know, I think we reach a certain age where we we are spending significant amounts of time in our work and we're trying to balance family as well as the careers we want to have and kind of having that aha moment that I wasn't happy and that I could uh, make a change that would make me happy. That was significant. Mm, yeah. And I feel that's so um, identifiable for for so many, I think. Um, and I, I believe the pandemic has kind of um, accelerated that, you know, that age point, maybe where we're doing oh, yes. that pause and reflection on our careers. But you do bring up a great point that a lot of it does have to do with the commodity of time. And if you are especially a working parent, you realize how precious that time is. And if the work you're not, you're doing isn't bringing that fulfillment and um, alignment for you, then you start to say, well, what's possible? You know, exactly. And I think the the pandemic was definitely one of those moments where, um, time became more real to all of us. I think regardless of your age, all the way from, you know, my, my, at that point, gosh, 13, 14 year old daughter who was, you know, doing schoolwork from home, time seemed to slow down and we seemed to, to become much more in touch with what matters. And that gives us that opportunity to reflect and decide, you know, what's the path forward and does it continue to look like it always has, or do we have an opportunity to pivot and do something differently? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the pandemic was a big boost. Um, age age <laughs> yes. was for me reaching that yeah. forty milestone and realizing that you know hopefully I'll have forty more years. But to realize that you've come this far and to continue to do it in a way where you spend so much time on something you don't love um, is probably not the best thing to do with your life. And mm -hmm. so making that change was significant for me, huge. Mm -hmm. And you really client, you know, you, you stayed within one organization, but mm -hmm. you climbed the ladder. You had some real lateral or, um, yeah, vertical growth there at the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. I started at an entry-level position. Um, literally I went there for tuition reimbursement. So I was, I was a dropout from Cornell university who figured out pretty quickly, it took two years, but I figured out I was not going to be an electrical engineer and um, I needed to go to school. I didn't know to do what. And so stepping into that organization was a way to get tuition reimbursement. Um, but what I found is that about every 18 months to two years, I was moving into another job and climbing and my responsibilities were expanding. And before you know it, you kind of get into that mode of growth. Before you know it, I was married and baby, two kids under my belt, and I was in a senior leadership role in operations. And it was that point when I realized, you know what, I'm not having the most fun because, you know, my goal was tuition reimbursement. 
I'm sitting here with two degrees now. I got a bachelor's degree, an MBA, and I'm going, how the hell did I get here? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, we get caught up many times, not just women, but people overall with the kind of these golden handcuffs where we have achieved a lot in our career and we're compensated um, nicely for that. And we're not happy. And that's when we have to make a really difficult decision if we're going to stay true to ourselves and what we want, or are we going to continue to make the money and have the car and have the home, but ultimately be spending a significant amount of time not being happy. And I chose my steps and um, started over again. So I went from that senior position in operations um, where I had an organization of 300 plus to an individual contributor role as a program director in HR. And I started again. And true to form, true to my form, about 18 months, I was climbing and getting different roles and ultimately culminated in an executive role serving as the chief diversity officer for then Anthem Inc. So it, um, and I was so happy, so happy to have pivoted away from um, something that just wasn't feeding my soul and finding the thing that, I could do that made me happy, but also has such a huge impact on others and especially on people of color and on women. And it seems as though that that transition there led to then kind of where you're sitting now Mm -hmm. in that the the topic and the passion and and that the mission is aligned. Totally. You know, when I um I did ultimately walk away from Anthem, I mean, I'd been there for it would have been my 31st anniversary on the 8th of August. And um, I left at the end of July in 2019. And I left because I didn't feel that I was growing in the ways that I wanted to. And I thought true to form that I would step away from that, rest a little bit and become a head of HR somewhere because I absolutely love the HR space and strategy and business. And um, I was in the midst of applying or actually going through the application and interview process for a significant role with an organization. And it was down to me and another candidate and I didn't get that role. And what what really, really got me is I wasn't disappointed. I was relieved. And I I didn't really know why. And it took me a while and some long walks and um, some reflection to figure out that I really just wanted to do what I loved. And that is coaching women, especially women of color, um, on how to navigate a corporate environment and its diversity, helping organizations strategize and execute a diversity plan. So I decided to do only what I love, which meant becoming an entrepreneur, which I knew nothing about. But um, here I am, you know. Yeah. I Well, it's a, it's a risk and a leap, but it was one that you were very thoughtful about. Yes, yes. Um, Well, you know, before I even did that, I had always wanted to write a book. And so um, it kind of brought two things together because I decided to write this book about my experiences coaching other women as I was navigating the corporate environment. And so I wanted to kind of pay forward those lessons. And the book was a nice foundation for um, starting a business, you know, to be able to say, you know, I've got something to talk about here. I've got something to found my organization on. So that kind of went hand in hand. And here I am a couple of years later, you know. Let's talk about your book, Wild Hair. First, I'd love to know, why did you name it that? Oh, you know, um, wild hair is both a literal and figurative um, statement. Um, First and foremost, literally, it's about the transition that I went through as a Black woman from relaxed hair, which is chemically straightened hair, to my natural curly hair. And in the corporate world, you don't see too many women, um, at least during my time. That has changed a lot with the Crown Act and other things that are going on in corporate America. But you didn't see a lot of women who wore their natural hair. The whole goal at the time when I was there was to assimilate, to be as much like the majority as you could. And so that meant straightening the hair. And for me to make a decision to no longer do that, and it was totally grounded on time, like you mentioned before, the time commitment to maintaining my hair in that way was significant. And I was, you know, I had a big job. I had a big family. And, you know, I didn't want to spend hours in the stylist chair on the weekend. So I made a bold choice to 
reveal my hair, my wild hair. And um, it's wild only in that it looks so different from everyone else's. That's the only thing. I wouldn't call it wild. But it's also figuratively a metaphor for when we choose ourselves, when it does, when what we want and how we approach things doesn't always align with what's expected or what the majority is doing. So sometimes we get a wild hair and we do ourselves. We say, hey, I'm going to do me. And so that's what the point of the book is. Um, I can't take credit for coming up with it. Uh, My publisher did. She thought it was a great metaphor and uh, it stuck. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, So would you say that is the key message then for your book? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's really about through the stories um, of the challenges I faced and the lessons I learned and then coaching other women as they came to me um, during my time in corporate. Um, It is really about how do you as a woman and especially as a woman of color, how do you navigate the corporate world or really any organization where you're the minority in a way that's true to you? How do you stay authentic? How do you dare to reveal your wild hair and be who you are in that environment? Mm-hmm. And so the book is just really full, full of lessons and um, th- takeaways for people on how to navigate that. Well, there are a lot of theories um, on leadership and qualities that experts experts say are essential to being a good leader. And just as you're illustrating here, you believe in authenticity and you know being true to yourself. Why do you feel that authenticity is needed for leadership? <clears throat> um, a couple of reasons. One, no matter what you're doing in life, you cannot outpace your own authenticity. You cannot be more than you are, right? We can only rise or grow to the level of our authenticity. And what that means is when we're honest with ourselves about what we want, when we're honest with ourselves about our capabilities, when we're truly self-aware and honest, then we have the opportunity to grow to that greatness. But if we're not aware of it, if we're not honest, if we're hiding behind um, maybe the veil of what we think our leadership ought to look like, we'll never be able to reach our full potential. So I think being authentic is one way to reach your full potential. Another way is when we're authentic, we're really demonstrating a level of vulnerability, right? Because being authentic says, okay, well, maybe I'm not a perfect leader. You know, maybe I've made a mistake or maybe I need to build a team that can fill the gaps that I don't have and and what I don't bring to the table. So when we're authentic, there's a level of vulnerability that's there. And here's the great thing about vulnerability. It's so powerful because vulnerability demonstrates humanity and we're all human and that creates connection and everybody wants to be a part of something. And so feeling like you're connected, especially in organizations when there's big goals we're trying to accomplish, when I feel that you're authentic, you're vulnerable, in many ways, you're just like me, I'm going to go the extra mile. We're going to make it happen together as a team. So I think being an authentic leader and not trying to show up in a way that you believe leadership should look like or a way that you see leadership done by others okay to see have mentors and have coaches and people who guide you but at the end of the day you have to be able to walk around in those shoes and so it's so important that if you want to maximize your potential if you want people to follow you in a way that is above and beyond a normal level of engagement you have to be authentic you have to be vulnerable on some level i love what you just illustrated there because it caught my brain turning on you know if we we can always take what you just said and follow it backwards. So hear me out on this. So mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges in the workplace right now is um, retention, you know, keeping mm-hmm. people there. And one of the big drivers of that challenge is a lack of belonging. Yep. Okay. So step back. So what's, what's a way of creating belonging connection? Yep. Back up. How do we get connection? Be vulnerable, be human. Yep. Okay. Vulnerability is linked to authenticity. Authentic leaders can kind of travel. You can kind of see what the ripple effect of showing up as yourself, flawed, but trying hard, doing well, caring for others, connecting with others, 
the exactly. ripple effect is big. It's huge. It is absolutely huge. And, you know, um, to kind of just tease that out a little bit, one of the women that I'm coaching right now, she is looking for a job and she's gone through four different interviews, four different organizations um, that she is actively moving forward with. And the one that wow. rises to the top for her is the one with the most authentic leader. And the leader she was talking about how he just came to the table fully saying, you know, I love this organization because of this. I am challenged with this in particular. Um, I've made some mistakes along the way and I'm trying to build this type of team. And she said the level of transparency that he was offering, the level of vulnerability, she said she didn't see that in any of the other organizations. Mm. And so when she prioritizes her list, it's based off of that connectivity, that sense that just through a conversation that she would belong, that she could be herself. I mean, this is a Black woman, young Black woman um, who is also pregnant. And she's like, she had been considering how to hide certain things about her personality, hide the fact that she's pregnant, hide all of these things. And through this conversation, this was the first interview where she's revealed it all, you know? And she shared, she said, I was so, I wasn't sure how he'd take it, but I shared that I was pregnant. And he said, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Oh, how exciting. Here's how the benefits work, blah, 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 blah. She was floored. That's floored. amazing. By his transparency, she was able to be transparent. Exactly. By him showing up authentic, she was able to show up authentically. Exactly. And there's a level of trust then built when both parties can do that. Yeah, because when we see that humanity, right, that's what connects us. You know, we're all human. We all get up on one side of the bed every morning. We go through uh, similar routines, whether we're the CEO or we're the person answering the calls on the front line. We're all human. And when we can reveal some aspect of that to people we work with, it creates a connection that says we're in it together. We're experiencing the same life, the same world. We may see it a little bit differently. It may come to us in different ways. But at the end of the day, we're both going through this life together. And so it's it's a huge thing. I mean, she was just totally just drawn in by that level of transparency and vulnerability. Well, thank you for talking a bit about that today, because I, I love your take on um, leadership and authenticity. And I felt like it was important for us to talk about it a bit. But as you mentioned, we're here really focusing on mentoring and coaching mm -hmm. so we can shift there. And you already gave us an example of, you know, a coaching relationship you have. Um but because you do a bit of both, both coaching mm -hmm. and mentoring, I would appreciate if you could kind of show us what the difference is between the two, especially with mm -hmm. the prevalence of coaches on the scene. Yes. We've had an episode about coaching and we've talked about how, you know, there's a coach for everything. But if you could share with us kind of the difference between a coach and a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I've done both. I continue to do both. And I continue to have both in my life. Um, the main distinction that I like to draw for people is mentoring is about a mentor pouring into you. Really coming to the table and saying, yes, I have had XYZ experience. Let me pour this into you so that you now understand. You now know better. I think so often of women and women of color, how important representation is, because when they get that connection with someone who looks like them, they serve as powerful mentors because they're the been there, done that. And they can pour into the next set of women and minority women that are coming up. When we talk about coaching, it's really pulling out of you and saying, okay, tell me about what it is you want to accomplish and let's build some muscle and some strength around that. Let's pull out of you what you need to have in order to be successful. Or let's find, kind of like picking up a weight and let's find what we need to learn and develop this muscle. So it's more of a pour in versus a pull out. So for example, when I started my business, when I finally dialed into the fact that I wanted to do this, um, I got a business coach. Because I didn't know a thing about being an entrepreneur. And so I couldn't really turn to a mentor. I didn't really have a mentor 
um, that I could rely on and just get the full download on how to do this. I needed a coach because in the end, I was going to have to build the muscle to run this business. And so having a business coach helped me develop the skills and accomplish the goals that I had for my business. Now, I've got mentors who are entrepreneurs, women who are entrepreneurs. I mean, Sally from SOAR, entrepreneur, who can give me kind of the experiential pour into what to watch out for, um, how to think about things differently. But the muscle development, the pulling what was in me out to change me from a corporate um, soldier into a female entrepreneur, I needed a business coach for that. I really like that distinction, um, the pouring in versus pulling out. It's it's very simple and clear. Um, and, you know, if we think about mentors and you mentioned a few, I'm curious how important having a mentor has been on your own career, certainly in this transition. But um, do you have any examples of, of kind of those big yes. moments with a mentor? You know what? Um, in my book, I think it's the second chapter is kind of fully dedicated to mentoring. And I like to um, make sure that we we elevate the role of a mentor from mentor to truth teller, because there's lots of mentors out there. But the ones that have truly impacted my life have been the ones that were truth tellers. And what I mean by that is they came to the table, not just with their own experience and the real truth of that, but an ability to look at me and say, here's where you're at on the journey that you want to take. And here's the truth of what you need, what you have, what you don't have. And having mentors like that have been extremely valuable. So, you know, I can think of a time early in my career where this is a person I would definitely qualify as a mentor, not so much a truth teller. And it's not because I didn't need it. So, for example, as during my early development, I had a gap in finance knowledge. And so um, I turned to the woman who handled finances for the operations organization. We, I sat down and said, would you be my mentor? and teach me about the financials um, at the organization. She said, sure. We developed like a six-week plan. We got together weekly and bi-weekly, and we worked to improve my knowledge with her pouring into me. Well, when it comes to career, though, I've had women who have been absolutely truth-tellers. And I talk a little bit about this in one of the chapters where when I was early in my career again, and there were opportunities for growth and leadership positions, and I had not been in a big leadership position. I think I was in a manager position. I had a team of two. Um, I had only been in that for maybe six months, and these job opportunities were available. And um, one of my peers, we were peers in level on this project, but she was much more experienced than I was and had been in, in and out of leadership many times. She pulled me aside and she said, are you applying for those jobs? And I said, no, because I didn't even see myself as someone who was ready for that level of position. And she began to, again, pour into me, though, with a level of transparency, clarity, and kick butt attitude that was like, listen, you're selling yourself short. Here's why. And she went through what she could see in me that I could not see for myself. Now, the way that this worked is she had expertise and knowledge that I valued. She had a background I valued. And she also understood what I wanted out of my career. And so she was basically saying, are you just going to sit there, let those jobs pass you by, or are you going to get in the freaking game? And she was able to tell me how to get in the game. You know, um, she was able to tell me the watchouts and how to prepare for the interviews, all of that. Again, that mentoring of pouring in. But she was a real truth teller to say, stop being scared. It's never going to feel perfect. Get in the game. And then as I went through that process, I was interviewed by a woman who was the head of this organization that had these open roles. And when she called me in, I thought for sure, because I was probably the youngest in terms of tenure who had applied, thought for sure I wouldn't get a job. And I did get one of the jobs and one of the significant roles. And she told me, she said, you know what? You did better than everyone else through this process. And I thought to myself, thank you for my mentoring. Um, but she said, you're not ready for the top job. So instead of giving you the top job, I'm going to give you the one right below it, which was still a significant change for me. I mean, I had two directs and I went to an organization of 75 and I was managing managers. Huge jump. She said, because you're not ready to be a vice president. She said, because they would eat your ass alive. 
because you don't have enough experience. And so that was like someone pouring into me and saying, listen, here's what you're ready for. Here's what you're missing. And she kept it incredibly real. So I always encourage the women that are looking for mentors is look for a truth teller because you can get a mentor that can educate you on finance, that can educate you, um, oh, I don't know, on marketing. But when you're talking about career change, when you're talking about what it takes to be successful as a woman in corporate America and where you want to go with your career, we need to talk truthfully about that. We need someone to tell us that not just that we can do it, but that it will be difficult, you know, and some of the challenges you're going to run into and what that's going to look like and the mistake that that mentor made and how you can navigate around it. So truth tellers are incredibly important in our careers. So to me, they're like the mentor on steroids. Yes. Well, they're they're the authentic ones who are willing to say things that might not be you know, deemed appropriate in some stages, but they're they're there to have an honest conversation with you. Yeah, because they're committed to your success. Yeah, And again, that comes into that vulnerability, right? Because when I'm vulnerable and say as a mentor, man, I bumped along when it came to this and it was really difficult and it took me forever to break through. Here are the mistakes that I made. And then you receive that as a mentee because they're being vulnerable with you. And then you can ask the questions that you might have been afraid to ask, right? The things that you don't want to sound stupid asking, um, how to, to talk to your boss about something. I can remember being early in my career and saying, I, I got to ask for days off. And my mentor was like, no, you don't. You tell her that you're going to be off. And I didn't even realize that I was at that level where it was expected of me to manage my time. You know, I had made fast leaps in my career. So I didn't know simple things. Um, like that. And so she just positioned me to be more in control, more of an authority, more of um, the leader that I needed to be. So there's so much we can get from truth tellers. You know, so if we're thinking from the position of a mentee as somewhat a professional in the workplace, and we're looking for mentors, mm-hmm. um, how how do you go about getting getting a mentor? Like, yeah, you know, if that feels like, you know, something that might be a little challenging for most to, to go out there and ask. So what would you say in terms of relationship? Like what should someone give and ask and expect from a mentor? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And I've coached many women who, when we get to that kind of crossroads of they need a mentor, they're like, whoa, hold up. How am I supposed to do that? Right. I'd love Um, one, but how? What do I do? Do I do this? What do I do? (laughs) Right. Um, Part of it is, especially if you're in a corporate organization, is being observant in terms of if we're talking about women, other women in leadership roles. So if you aspire to a certain role, let's look at who's in that role today. And let's be really observant because, first of all, we have to have mutual respect. We have to see how that person is rolling, how they operate, because the last thing I would want is to be mentored by someone I can't 200 percent respect. And so observing who's out there. Um, The second thing is making sure they have the experience and expertise that you need. So I had a young woman who was she just wanted to become a certified project manager. Well, I said, who do you know that is a certified project manager? And she she had to really think about it, but eventually identified a short list of leaders in the organization who led project management organizations and were certified themselves. And then we got the expertise, we have the background, we have the mutual respect. Then what we need to do is reach out, um, identify the fact that you you would like to talk about career development and um, share a little bit about what your journey is and if they would be interested in having a conversation with you. And starting that simple, we don't have to turn it into it's going to be forever mentoring. We're going to meet once a month. There are definitely opportunities to structure mentoring. But when we're first forming that relationship, it's about the outreach to say, hey, I've I've been checking out your career. I want to proceed along this path. Would you have a half an hour to talk to me? And then as that conversation goes, and especially if you're starting to feel that openness, that authenticity, that connection, that truth telling, that's when you know you may have someone who is very committed to your success. Because when you see someone giving you honest feedback about their journey, that transparency we talked about, then you know that they want you to know what it's really like. And so that's when you can say, well, would you mind if we connect again in a month? I'd love to tell you where I'm at. And to get more feedback from you on some of the watchouts as I continue on this journey. 
So it doesn't have to be a big deal. Um, most people, in fact, I can't think of one person who doesn't like to talk about themselves. <laughs> and not in a vain way, but most people are willing to share the journey. You know, you get different depths and different level of engagement and time to get on calendars can be challenging. But I've never had someone say, I absolutely won't help you. I won't talk to you. And once you have established, you know, this relationship and, you know, mentioned, told them I'm interested in you mentoring me and they, they say, great, you know, happy to do so, happy to meet mm-hmm. every now and then. Then should you be in the driver's seat of saying, yes, let's meet next month and scheduling it and coming up with topics? Yes, absolutely. So that is one of the critical pieces of a great mentoring relationship. So if we if we take it back to what we talked about, if mentoring is a pouring into, then you have to get your mentor prepared. What are they pouring and pouring right. into what? And so as the mentee, you do need to take some control of that and say, hey, I so appreciate your time. I'd love to meet again in about four to six weeks. Is that okay? I'll work with your assistant or I'll work to get on your calendar. Um, I'll send you before our meeting a couple things I'd like to talk about. And keep it really, really simple. But when you are seeking someone to pour into you, you have to guide that a little bit, right? And make the best and highest use of someone's time. Whereas if you're coaching, if you've paid for a coach or you have a coach as a part of your professional development program at work, that's going to be driven more collaboratively in terms of what are your objectives um, so that I can help you develop that. So just like if you were going to um, a coach for fitness, What are your goals? I, as your coach, will come to the table prepared to stretch you, develop you, give you the weight training, whatever it is you need to develop in that area. So it's more collaborative and often uh, more highly driven by the coach when it's a coaching relationship. Mm, So interesting. And then if we flip it to the side of um, being a senior leader, especially a woman in the workplace, as our listeners are, um, what would you say, what What do you think about, um, you know, growing opportunities to be a mentor? You know, how should we be giving back in the same way that mentors have given to us? You know what? I think that that's critically important for two reasons. Um, I think that during, at least for me and for most women that I've talked to that have really journeyed in their career, um, there comes a point where it's about paying things forward or paying it back. So we can climb to the highest, we can be a CEO, executive vice president, but at some point, the job is a job. And what we have accumulated, the knowledge, the wisdom, we realize we can't take it with us when we're done with this. I mean, we will as we go to the next opportunity, but how do we take the fact that um, we've walked this path and it's been challenging and we help another person to navigate that a little bit more easily? Um, That's one thing. But also the thing that I learned is the opportunity to mentor younger women was incredibly powerful for me. So I got the opportunity to learn um, the latest and greatest on technology or how women today are thinking about issues so that I continue to grow and be able to serve people in lots of different ways. So uh, there is such a thing as cross mentoring. Yes. And being able to learn from from one another. So don't miss opportunities like that. I tell women that all the time. Don't miss that opportunity. Um, And in fact, I had a woman who started mentoring with me when I was at Anthem and um, she saw some incredible gains in her career, literally from individual contributor close to the front lines. Now she is a plan president and um, huge in just a short amount of time. But I use her as a mentor for me in terms of how to show up on social media, how to leverage um, relationships and networking, because those are strengths that I have. And those are things that she's really good at. And so having someone younger kind of keep me fresh and keep me thinking in a different way and challenging my thinking, right? We can't solve problems the same way forever. And so being able to engage with younger women is extremely powerful for me as um, both a coach and as a mentor. Yeah, it sounds like the message I think I'm hearing is get a mentor, be a mentor. It's incredibly powerful um, as a woman in the workplace. Um, and, you know, your work focuses on minority women in the workplace. And I would imagine the the more you are the only in a room, 
the Mm -hmm. more important it is to build that network of mentors, coaches, and advocates and, and all of the people who you can can work with to grow your own career and leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very challenging when you are one of few or the only. And having someone who can, especially from a been there, done that perspective, um, someone who has navigated the path ahead of you offers invaluable insight as well as just support, right? When we know that another woman has been successful, has done it, that gives you the belief that you can do it too. And so having that community of women to support you um, is incredible. And it's a huge benefit. And I highly recommend it to to all women, um, especially in corporate environments. Yeah. So Tracy, as we close, I would love to hear from you what it is you think every woman should have in her tote bag. Wow. You know, um, I thought about this one a little bit and I wish I had something super insightful, but I don't. Um, the thing that I I would say that, and it, this came from what I wish I would have had in my tote bag. So it's a little bit figurative, but I wish I would have had a mirror because there were times when I was less than authentic in my career. And if I just would have had a mirror to hold up to myself and to just just to be able to see my countenance as I was making decisions. Because I know on the inside, there were times when I shrunk a little Mm. and I wish I hadn't. And so to have that mirror, to look into that mirror and say, is this bold enough? Is this badass enough? Is this, you know, making myself uncomfortable and being able to see it reflected back so I wouldn't let myself off the hook so easily. I think that one's awesome. (laughs) It's like when you're slouching and have bad posture and then you catch yeah. a glimpse of yourself in a mirror and you go, whoa, whoa, let me sit, sit up, up tall. Yes. And there were definitely times when I didn't, you know, when um, for lack of either, you know, confidence or courage or resilience, whatever it was, I just was just a little bit less than I could have been. And I wish I could have just whipped it out and say, is that badass enough? You know, <laughs> push yourself. Is that bold enough? Come on now, say it. Oh, I you love know, that. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> yes. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for your time today. You oh, gave welcome. more than I ever could have imagined and um, just thrilled to be able to share your wisdom uh, with the listeners here on this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a conversation I love to talk about any day. So appreciative of your time. Wasn't that good? I told you. Yeah, she's amazing. I hope everybody, we joke about taking notes, (laughs) but man, Yeah, there is a lot there too. So thank you, Tracy. She's a truth teller. I think we've got what we need to start the year. Like just, she laid it out there. I feel like it's a perfect way to start the year by thinking about being an authentic leader and how we can really maximize our impact through this kind of relationship. Um, You know, choose ourselves. She said that. And I loved that. Choose ourselves this year. Yes. How so empowering. I, she, she said to me, um, you know, I think it was in one of the first times we spoke, but she said, be true to yourself and get what you need to make it happen. Mm. Dream big and let's get it. Like, yep. That is where we need to start. Um, that's, that's what I needed. I hope you all found some really good nuggets too, to kick off 2023 in the right direction. So one thing to try, let's go ahead and schedule a meeting with one person in your network to start exploring the opportunity of having a mentoring relationship. Once you've done that, write to us and let us know how it went. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the thing is, we're saying schedule a meeting. It's a big ask, but like get it on the books. Don't just think, oh, I should do that. Maybe I'll think about it. Like get it on the book, schedule a meeting with someone who you can start developing that relationship with. So Stephanie, what you got in that bag? Well, this month I am going to recommend that everyone have in their giant tote bag, a set of personalized stationery. You know, we talked a couple months ago about the importance of gratitude and letter writing, um, and we're coming off of the holidays where inevitably you received 
gifts. And you should send back a thank you note for those gifts. You should acknowledge that you received it and that you appreciate it. And nothing better than a set of personalized stationery always on hand um, to send off those thank you notes or even just those thinking of you notes, those lollipop moments where you tell someone, you know, that something they did or who they are is important to you. So definitely timely for this time of year, but also all times of year, I think that's a good one to have on hand. It would make our grandmothers proud. That's for sure. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Definitely make my grandma proud. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us today, everyone. Be a part of this conversation and connect with us on Instagram at Soar Lead. And show us some appreciation for the podcast. You know, this is how it works. So make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It's how we grow and keep these conversations going. Also share this podcast with your own work BFF. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time for another Women Who Work conversation.